0: I'm on a journey to get better in all areas of life, from wellness and mental health to career and relationships and so much more. I know getting better isn't easy, but it's a whole lot easier when you can do it together. Welcome to Better Together with me, Maria Menunos. Nicole Sachs is on a
1: mission to teach you how you can heal yourself. She knows that we all have the power to change our lives. We all have the power to heal ourselves of any ailment. This episode, she really goes into depth about that and is really beautiful in her explanation of how we can use the power of our mind to remedy chronic pain. It's such a good episode. I'm really excited for you guys to listen. If this is your first time listening to it, take copious notes. I'm going to re-listen to it and take even more notes because I know even a year later, it's going to hit me differently. So if this is your first time, if this is your second or third, please enjoy. And if this episode spoke to you, share it with a friend, share it on social, it really means the world to us. And heel Squad, you guys keep us going. So enjoy this Throwback Thursday, and we'll see you tomorrow.
2: Hey, heel Squad and fans of Better Together with Maria Menunos. I am not Maria Menunos. I'm Mr. Maria Menounos, a.k.a. Kevin Undergaro, subbing for my, um, my beautiful wife. I'm really excited for tonight's show, or today's show, uh, for personal reasons, but I think it's going to speak to everybody. I'll start out with our uh, little quote. Our physical issues bring us to the precepts of the truths that have been awaiting our acknowledgement. And that is from Nicole Sachs. Nicole Sachs, if you're wondering, Kelsey. I am. a speaker, a writer, and psychotherapist who has dedicated her life and practice to the treatment of emotional and physical chronic pain and conditions. It was Nicole's own journey through extreme chronic pain and a condition doctors said was hopeless that led her on the path to the revelation that there was more to her pain than just physical. Nicole discovered how her emotional pain and deep-seated personal issues were the root of the problem. This discovery led her to near miraculous healing and on the path to helping heal others without stigmas, medication, or even surgery. The Heal Squad and Better Together welcome Nicole Sachs. Hi, Nicole.
3: Hey, happy to be here.
2: Thank you so much. So, you know, Nicole, I think uh, we have to start by you telling us your story with chronic pain and, you know, what brought you to this revelation. And I just want to say that anyone out there that has any kind of chronic condition, I have many friends uh, right now who, if they don't have breast cancer, they've got, uh, like I have, some thyroid issue. And if they don't have those issues, I know people with chronic rashes, and if they don't have those issues, I know people who um, have, Kelsey right here has a chronic st- stomach issue that we on the show have been working the last three months, really focusing on trying to fix, and I, and when I heard your interview, I'm like, mm, Kelsey needs to listen to what Nicole says, because I agree, and I think that all the way to people who haven't gotten their periods, um, and I know a lot of people who haven't been able to get pregnant, I think one of the reasons Maria couldn't get pregnant is Because of what nicole is going to talk about but really she's really going to take you on the journey to really help you to discover the roots of your conditions um and she'll tell you how many cases maybe it's in all cases i don't want to you know go out on a limb of an area i don't know but i do know that there's more than just dna or whatever you're eating or whatever's going on in your environment or you know physically there's things emotionally that are manifesting in our bodies that trigger these conditions, that signal our bodies to say something's wrong. And yes, you can treat the symptom in Western ways and you may have to, but if you can really go to the core and the emotional root of this, you will find uh, relief. And so Dr. Sano, if you're a a fan of Howard Stern, as I was, he helped cure uh, Howard's chronic back condition in this way. So just a little bit of like, I'm gonna lay it out as best I can, but please everyone listen very carefully. If you suffer from any of those conditions or even other conditions, this is going to be a show that's going to help you so much. And a person who's going to help you so much. So, Nicole, I'll let you take it from there, maybe starting with your story.
3: Awesome. Thank you, Kevin. Um, There's so much to tell, and I'm going to tell my story. I just want to, in response to that beautiful intro, what I want to say is... When I first started my brand, which is called the cure for chronic pain, I had to pick a name, you know, I had to pick something and people sometimes alienate themselves from the help because they say, oh, I don't have chronic pain. I'm just tired all the time. Mm -hmm. Or I don't have chronic pain. I just don't have a joy for life or I don't have chronic pain. Just everything feels like too much all the time. And so I just want to open this conversation before I even start talking about myself by saying there is no cure for the human condition and there is no cure for human pain but there is a cure for chronic pain, emotional and physical of all kinds because chronic pain is an epidemic of fear, and misinformation and a misunderstanding of the connection between our mind and our body and the brain science that is derived from our nervous system and our fight or flight reactions. So I just had a huge mouthful that we're going to talk about a lot in this conversation, but I want people to understand before they could even possibly count themselves out that this is truly for every human being that walks the planet because there's no cure for the human condition and we're all in it. So- Perfect. I just had to put that out. No, I'm
2: glad you said that because you're right. Oh my God. I'm so glad you said that uh, because yeah, it, it's not just, oh, my backache. It's the, it's these conditions. It's I'm sad. And I'm depressed. I'm always so tired. Many. Yeah.
3: Anxiety oh and anxiety is everything and anxiety manifesting in a hundred different physical ways. I, I, so anyway, I'm going to put a pin on in me and I'm going to tell my story, but I just, I kind of always feel compelled to say that at the front end because. This whomever you are listening to this, this is for you. Okay, so um, when I was a child, I was very Type A, very um, uh, goal oriented. Wanted to get the A. I had an incredibly critical father who. Ha- um, I would say that I felt his love would, was very conditional. At the time, uh, he died when I was twenty seven. So we've had plenty of time to make peace since then, and I feel a little bit more understanding. But at his, at my in my childhood, his, his love felt very conditional and I felt very pressured to B, B, and do, do, do. And I had a lot of chronic issues as a child that I that, that was were treated like the symptom. I had chronic constipation, you know? So that was always an issue. I had stomach aches. I had anxiety. Sometimes I felt like I couldn't um, swallow. Like I would feel like I'd have trouble swallowing. And pretty much when I was about 10 or 11, I remember in the mornings getting dressed and I would pull my pants on and my back would hurt when I stood up. And I thought, hmm, you know, and I would say to my mom, mom, my back hurts. I was 10 years old. And she would say, oh, growing pains or, you know, yeah, you're fine. Yeah. And, and so and I was and I was fine. I was just slightly afflicted. And then I went to college. I was a freshman uh, in college. And I had what I call in my business an acute pain incident. My back went out. I was uh, just doing whatever I was doing. It was stressful. It was emotionally and physically stressful being there, being away from home, all the pressures. And one day, I don't even remember the stimulus. I just bent over and I couldn't get back up. And it was very severe. My parents had to come to Lehigh, bring me home. Um, I literally carry me. I don't think I could walk. And I was subject to all the tests, MRIs, X-rays, and the orthopedic surgery consult was very, very dark. And he threw up my X-ray on the screen and he looked at my mother and he said, she has a condition called acute degenerative spondylolisthesis, which is an abnormality of the lower spine. And he said, "Um, I'm about to deliver some very difficult news. Um, There will be no more sports. There will be no more travel. There will be no more sleeping in any positions except for the fetal position, or if you're on your back, the legs must be elevated to at least two feet. long rides in the car are no longer um happening because more than an hour with the bouncing motion of the car could could lead to a, a horrible incident of acute pain. They put me on steroids, they put me on muscle relaxers, on opioid pain medications and then he and he said ultimately the likelihood that I would have a biological child was slim to none unless I was prepared to have about 7 to 8 months of bed rest because the weight of the baby on the front would put my me in so much danger for the te- for the tenderness of of my back situation so here i am 19 years old being delivered a veritable death sentence of a life without very many possibilities at all and um you know I I do think, and I do have a very um, rich spiritual life and a connection to my spirituality that even though I didn't back then, I think somewhere in the back of my mind, I knew that wasn't going to be my fate, but I didn't know why. And I just lived in fear. I listened to the doctors. I lived in fear. I stopped doing sports. I I used to love riding horses. I was a rollerblader, you know, it was the Mm -hmm. nineties. And uh, I'd stopped doing all the things that brought me joy. And I lived very small and very tight and in fear. And, um, and that went on, you know, I lived in chronic pain. Sometimes it was better. Sometimes it was worse. And I got through, uh, undergrad, I moved to the city and I was working in the city.
0: Hey Hill squad and better together fam. Second, you could join the Better Together with Maria Menounos' Instagram page. Third, you could share the show with a friend in need. And finally, for as little as $10 a month, please join our Patreon to get monthly live heal events with world-class healers, ad-free episodes of our show, and even weekly bonus episodes exclusive to Patreon. Getting better isn't easy, but it is a whole lot better when we can do it together. We love and appreciate and are so grateful for all of you.
3: And I got into grad school. So I moved to the Midwest and here I am in grad school. And one day my mother calls me and she is freaking out. And it was back when Rosie O'Donnell had her daily talk show in the 90s. And Rosie had a segment on the talk show and it was called Fix Jeanette. And now Jeanette Barber, who was at the time Rosie's producer, was in a motorized wheelchair. She had such severe pain in her knees and her feet and her ankles. No doctor knew what to do for her that she had devolved into this needing this motorized wheelchair. And Rosie, who wouldn't believe that there couldn't be one more idea, put her, put her in the segment called Fix Jeanette. And my mother was watching the after segment, during which they showed footage of Jeanette Barber running the New York Marathon. And my mother said, What's going on here? And they started talking about a doctor named Dr. John Sarno, who helps people with all sorts of chronic conditions by explaining to them that the pain is not in your head. Okay. You're not making it up. It's not psychological pain. It's not not psychosomatic pain. The pain is not in your head. It is real. It is being expressed through your body. But the origin of the pain lives in the mind-body system and what happens to your brain and your nervous system when it is engaged in long-term chronic stress, long-term chronic fight or flight that leads to certain signals being sent to certain muscle groups and bodily systems like the stomach and the head and all the places we experience discomfort. So at the time, he, he was an attending physician for 50 years at the Rusk Center for Rehabilitation at NYU Medical Center. And, and, and over the course of his career, I think he had four or five best selling books. But at the time, his most recent book was Healing Back Pain. And so my mom said, You have to get this book. I think this is what's wrong with you. And, um, and I got the book. And to be totally honest, and whenever I speak, I always tell the truth. I didn't even read it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I read the front cover and the back and I was, you know, 25. Mm -hmm. I just, I I leafed through it and I said, I get this. I understand what the man is saying. I got the gist of it. And what he was saying was, although pain is experienced through the body, when we have severe repressed feelings like rage, he always focused on rage. I've kind of evolved it into rage, shame, fear, sadness, regret, embarrassment, Mm -hmm. all the things we feel grief. But when we experience repressed rage and we don't know how to let that steam valve open, it's going to be expressed somewhere in our bodies. And oftentimes rage is expressed through the back. This was his theory. So I thought, hmm, all right, it's probably crap, but let me just try it out. Because why not do a science experiment on myself? Because how else am I going to disprove my mother? Which is always, you know, a fun thing to do. And um, and just 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 I was curious. I allowed my fear to be replaced with curiosity, which is something I also teach a lot in my work. Mm-hmm. And I, um, I did a science experiment on myself. So I'll never forget at the time I was in grad school and I was nannying for these four kids. And um, it was a stressful job. And once in a while, my back would really flare up. And so instead of worrying about my broken back and my ruined life and my terrible future, I just thought, why are you angry right now? And I thought, hmm, and I would go over whatever was going on with the kids or grad school or money or whatever was stressing me out. And I just really was honest with myself about why I was angry. And then 10 minutes later, I'd be busy doing an activity with the kids and I'd be like, wait a second, just happened here. My back doesn't hurt anymore. And that was the spark. That was the spark of recognition that this, there might be something to this mind body connection, something I had never, ever considered in my life. We aren't in the Western world trained about any of this at all. You know, everything is take a pill, have a surgery, have an injection, or even if you're more maybe open-minded, have like a holistic treatment like acupuncture or massage or, or whatever. And those, I'm not saying that those things are all wrong. And there's certainly a place for all of them in society, But most of the chronic conditions that we live with will never be fixed through physical manipulation of the body ever. And now I'm 20 years in, so now I can speak with authority. But back then, I was just doing a science experiment on myself. So I became pain-free. And I went on to graduate with all my degrees. I got married, and I gave birth to my two oldest beautiful babies, exercising until the day they were born. I had no back pain. And that is a beautiful thing. And that is not the end of the story. And it's very important for people to understand that that's not the end of the story. Because one of the things that um, I gently criticize my mentor and dear friend, Dr. John Sarno, About is that he used to say, Oh, a lot of people, 90% of people read the book and get better. And I get it. I understand because, in many ways, the nervous system is a light switch. And when your nervous system perceives you as safe, your entire body functions differently than when it perceives you as in danger. So I do understand why people do get these book cures or this understanding of knowledge cures, but it's not the whole story. And I do believe that my story is as rich and as complicated as it is. So I could carry this message really fully to everyone out there who suffers. So my son, Oliver, who's now 16, was 10 months old. And he was in um, one of those little walker, those baby walkers. And he was toddling around my back deck. And um, there were two stairs that led from the deck to the driveway. It wasn't a huge fall, but I just, every time he got a little close to it, I was like, I don't want him to go over those stairs. So I leaned over. And I picked up the walker. Mm-hmm. Now I see you make a face yeah. because you think that that's bad for your back. It's actually not. I mean, it could be a muscle strain if you don't have a, a, a strong core, but it's not inherently bad for your back. However, obviously somewhere subconsciously, I thought it was. And more, moreover, my emotional reservoir that I now understand to be the keeper of your nervous system's perception of your safety was yeah. probably yeah, up you were, to here. You were
2: worried about your son's safety in that moment, right? Was that?
3: I was worried trigger? about my son's safety. I was, I'll, I'll put a hold on that. Gotcha. I think what, what, what really what it was, that my son's safety and me picking it up was the, was the trigger, but what it triggered was a lot more fear and, and anger and, Sadness and confusion that I didn't know about because that's where our repressed emotional world lives in our subconscious I pick up the walker and it feels like I have a hot knife dragging through my back And in that moment fueled by fear Every understanding of the mind body connection goes out the window and I say in total shame You did it now Mm. Now you did it bad girl. Like your dad always said You screwed up you've ruined everything, you pressed your luck, you had these two kids you probably shouldn't have because you weren't, you told you weren't supposed to, and now your life is ruined. And that set me on a year, the darkest year of my life, of severe, severe chronic pain. Three times a week physical therapy, electric stim treatments on my back, a lot of opioids, a lot of muscle relaxers, um, steroid packs, Therapeutic massages, which always left me more in pain, which now I understand why. Um, I was an angry mother. I was an impatient person. I was self-pitying all the time. And I lived in absolute um, despair. And it was that whole year. And then this year culminated in this one very fateful day where I was at a deli with my children They were like one and a half and three and a half. And they were, and it was the kind of deli that um, every mother dreads because when you go up to pay at the front, there are all these like clear containers with gummy bears and gummy worms and chocolate covered pretzels. And they're all about the eye height of a three foot tall person, (laughs) obviously by design. And so I'm trying to pay and I've got the diaper bag over my shoulder and I have a bad back. So I'm always feeling worried about myself and sorry for myself and my kids are going wild. They are picking up the containers and shaking them and mommy can I have this, can I have this? And begging me and pulling at me and tripping and the containers are falling on the floor and I am mortified and I'm all the things, the reservoir underneath, don't know. All I know is I'm mortified. I wrench the stuff out of my kids' hands. I put it back, I pay the bill. And now we start walking to the parking lot and this is a very active parking lot
0: It's time to make your life a little easier. And to help you out, I've curated all of my essentials from Macy's for you and the whole fam. All the details are in the show notes below, or you can just click the link in the description to get your hands on them, too. I have some new picks on there. This little bomber jacket, this little black dress. You're gonna love it.
3: And as I'm walking to the car with one of my children in either of my hands holding their hands... My back is getting tighter Mm -hmm. and tighter. The pain is getting bigger, and the fire in the lower back feels like it's going to explode. And I'm making sense that right now, this is a very serious situation that I'm in. I get to the car, and for the life of me, there was no way I could get my kids in the car. I couldn't reach my phone, I couldn't reach my keys. I couldn't let go of either of their hands because one second of letting go could have meant that they would immediately be killed. There were cars whizzing by in either direction. They had no sense of danger. And I just stood there in the parking lot and I I put my forehead on the driver's side window of my car and I just cried. I just cried for my poor children and their failure of a mother and my broken body and my ruined life and all of my hope that had drained from me. I just cried. And I just stood there. And to this day, every time I tell the story, I get chills all over my body. It will never get old for me. And to this day, I don't know how long I stood there. My children kind of went limp the way kids do when they just like get a sense like this is an impossible situation. There's no complaining here. And um, I don't know how long we stood there, but eventually somehow I was able to get my kids in the car. I remember driving home and somehow getting them fed and bathed into bed. And um, although I was married at the time, my ex-husband was, he would work till after the kids got home every night, one of the reasons the marriage ended. And, um, and so I was alone and I got my kids to bed and I walked into my bedroom And I sat on my bed and I looked out the window, which was this big kind of picture window. And all you could see was the blackness of the night and the stars in the sky. And somewhere in that moment, I surrendered. And I said, mess with me. Don't mess with my kids. I do not know if Dr. Sarno is right with all this mind body stuff and all this complicated stuff that it's hard to understand and believe And I don't know if I need spinal fusion surgery, like the doctors say, that would put me six weeks in a body cast and a rod in my spine and limit my mobility for life. I don't know. But one thing I know is I will do anything. And I call that the gift of desperation. And some people use it as an acronym for God, because I will tell you that it is beautiful to be out of ideas. And I called Dr. Sarno's office at the time he was still in practice in New York City. And I made an appointment, it was incredibly expensive, it was money I did not have easily because um, he was in a hospital for 50 years, 5-0, that he never got a referral from inside the building. Because his money, his work didn't make money for anyone. It 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 didn't use the surgical model. It didn't use the big pharma model, model and it didn't use the medical model. And those doctors in that office were not interested in referring people down to Dr. John Sarno. So his prices were very high because he didn't take insurance because he was just doing this sort of boutique practice. So I paid the money and I sat down with him. Now, I don't know um, if you in your friendship with Howard ever heard about the personality of Dr. John Sarno but he was a really kind of hilarious dude okay so he was probably about 5'4 55 five, five. he was italian he he wore his the long lab coat so it went down to about his ankles <laughs> and he was a gruff fellow he would he 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 was no joke he was all business and so i had written in this very typical a student way i did this novel of when my back would hurt it hurts when I move like this. And when I bend like this and when I pick, and I mean, it was, it was, I spent time. (laughs) I spent time on this thing. And so I walk in, I slide it across the table from him and he picks up my, my folder. And he, and he says, what is this? And I said, Oh, it's, it's just all the deal of my back and how it feels. And he said, okay, he did not lose my gaze and he took it and he threw it in the garbage can. And it was like this metal old, like utility garbage can. It went boom. And he goes, let me examine you. And he's a medical doctor. He gave me a full exam. And he said, and he looked at my MRI and he said, Oh, I see what's going on in your back. And I go, yeah, it's really bad. Every orthopedic surgeon goes pale. And by the way, that is true. I mean, people freak out when they see it. I have a whole vertebrae that shattered and replaced with scar tissue. I have stress fractures in the vertebrae above and below. And my whole, it looks like it's sitting on itself. I think at some point I don't even have a disc. I don't know. And he, and he said, yeah, he said, This is, sp- it's called spondylolisis. It's, it's a normal abnormality. You were probably born with it. It doesn't cause pain. And I said, Oh. And he said, This is your problem. You are very angry, aren't you? And I was like, uh, I guess so. Well, how does that matter? And he really explained it to me in ways that I understood, which basically I've kind of touched on. It's just that we live in a mind body system. Sometimes we feel things in our hearts and sometimes we feel things in our bodies. And they are literally interchangeable. And when I lecture, oftentimes I say, what I'm teaching you is something that you already believe. Who among us has not had a stressful day and gotten a headache? An emotional stimuli that leads to a physical reaction. Who among us has not gotten bad news and lost an appetite? Emotional stimuli leading to physical reaction. What's the most obvious emotional stimuli that leads to a physical reaction? When you get really, really, really sad what happens to you?
2: I mean, I want to eat bad things. I cry. Yes.
3: (laughs) Water falls out of your face.
2: Yes. yes. Like
3: sometimes when people really struggle to believe, well, how can an emotional stimuli lead to a physical reaction? And I go, um, every time you cry, yes, you could cry because someone hit you in the in the knee with a hammer, you could, but most of the time you cry because you're watching, you know, a sad TikTok. So, I mean, you know, let's let's be honest here. Um, we all know that emotional stimuli can lead to physical reactions, but when things get chronic, all of that goes out the window because chronic pain is an epidemic of fear and fear overrides reason. And that is what people need to understand. And so he explained this to me and I set forth on understanding what I needed to do so I always I always say there's three facets of my work believe do the work and patience and kindness for yourself. So believe is just understanding what's going on in your in your body, what's going on in your mind, the dance, the beautiful dance actually between the mind and the body where your brain and your nervous system are only seeking to protect you with your physical affliction because it in its estimation your emotional repressed world which is the place where our stored trauma lives, where our unresolved stuff from childhood, where all the things that get triggered, wherever that lives, is perceived by the nervous system as a greater predator than your physical pain. The migraine keeps you safe. You lay down, you turn off the lights, you cancel plans with Aunt Edna, who always makes you feel bad about yourself. Here you are, safe. Now I call it safe in the unsafest way because nobody wants to live like that, but your nervous system thinks you're much better off there. How do we convince the nervous system that we're okay feeling our feelings? We have to feel them. How do we feel our feelings? Well, Dr. Sarno explained to me that one of the easiest ways to do that is to journal. Because when you slow your thoughts down to the the space in which you can either write them out or type them out, you make space for epiphany. And I said, okay, whatever. I mean, not whatever, like I'll go journal, but it kind of seems too simple to be true. But I said, okay, I said, I really get you. I get you. I believe you. And I I think this is the reason for my back pain that's stopping my entire life. I believe you that my spondylolisthesis, just like any bulging disc, just like many, many findings on MRI is a normal abnormality that doesn't cause pain. I believe you, which was important. And I said, I'm going to go do this journaling work. So do you want me to just keep going on? Please. Like tell the whole thing to the end? Please.
2: You know, the other thing I just want to, it's funny with so- Dr. Sano, it, it's that 20th century exterior and i'm so glad that you weren't triggered by the throwing of your journal which was you know your your um wasn't your journal but your you know all that time and effort you put into that i just know the younger generation would have freaked out walked out and said he's bullying me he's attacking me he's i just think it was great that you were you did not let that get you because I could see that getting you where you wrote all your that's the first thing I thought of when I heard that was like I could see a younger person today wouldn't hear him because they would just be freaked out that he threw away the stuff in the barrel maybe
3: maybe 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 not I can't say because it would probably depend on the person but I have to tell you honestly my reaction to that was like all right, then like his confidence was so strong right. and his resolve was, he was, he was so aligned with what he knew. I was think you true. were ready
2: for it though.
3: I was ready for it. And, and true I, readiness is everything. And I, true readiness You've got
2: to be ready. And I think that again, you know, for the younger, I think what's great about you, Nicole, and you, you're going to keep this going. I think what's great about you, Nicole, is that you're the next generation of Dr. Sano. Rage is, a, it's easy for a male. Like that's what we Uh, much of it manifests in rage so I get where he would take that but you're I agree with you it's more it's shame it's guilt it's Mm -hmm. all those other things and I think that um but your uh approach will not is less likely to trigger someone to walk out
3: oh and receive it well
2: that's well listen it's just it's just how it is you know this is they're wired in a different way I, I see my experiences and um to them, to people that are worried that way I say, you know, toughen up a little bit and listen to sometimes this truth, but so you can receive it, but then also it's so great to have someone like you who can be a, a lot more, okay, I get it. You're writing your journal. You're dotting on your I's. You're crossing all your T's because yeah. you just breathe now and let's put that to the side and now let's me and you really attack the problem. So out. Yeah, no, please continue, Nicole. All
0: right, friends, let's talk about something we all do. Snack. Trust me, I've definitely overindulged in the past, but as you know, I am focused on my health these days. And I think I found the healthier snack that you don't have to lose out on the flavor. And it's definitely become my go-to. It first came into the house because of Kevin. He was obsessed with wonderful pistachios. And then I got addicted. And now it's in my travel bag. I don't leave home without it. It's in our glove compartments because they don't melt. Right now, my favorite flavor is the sweet chili flavor. to do anything else it is incredible i love it frizz free up your schedule with way go to the way t-h-e-o-u-a-i.com and enter the promo code heel squad for 15 percent off any product that's the way t-h-e-o-u-a-i.com promo code heel squad trust me you won't regret it
3: so and i want to just put in a little caveat there just because um just if we fast forward the story a little bit, which I won't, I'll go back and tell like the good part and the the revelatory part, but Dr. Sarno actually became my incredibly close friend and colleague. He ended up referring into my practice when I lived in New York. And um, he is the loveliest, most gentle soul underneath. But I have to tell you, I have tremendous empathy for his um, sense of rejection, abandonment and alienation from the medical community. Mm. And I think one of the reasons why he was seen as a bit of a gruff character for those who didn't know him well is because, um, nobody believed him. Yeah, And, you know, I am Thank blessed you. and lucky, lucky to be the second generation Sarno because when people hear me speak, their eyes are a little bit more open because the consciousness of the planet has been much elevated yes. since the years that he, yes. um, really suffered. So, yeah. um, I do think there's a reason for all of it.
2: A hundred percent. And by the way, I'm the guy that loves the guy that throws it in the barrel. (laughs) Like, but again, I'm a guy and so I'm used to a coach just yelling at me because I know they're coming from a place of love, trying to shake me into where I need to be. Um, but yeah, it is, it's, it, you see, you know, by the way, that we should have more empathy even to the people, influencers and world leaders and people we idolize. And when we start to see them show their charges i noticed from say if i knew a celebrity 15 years ago and then i see how they are now i think so much of the outside negativity and stuff has just yeah. gotten to them because they're human so with dr sano like you could yeah totally exactly. get. like no one not only didn't they not see him it was the opposite no oh no we see you you're a quack
0: exactly you
2: know so you see where yeah it's just i i get it and i think it's good for all of us to try to empathize with those those people because you you see people start out with these great intentions and then eventually they, it just gets chipped away, chipped away, chipped away, you know?
3: A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And I think that, um, I think that in order for him to do what he needed to do, he had to get really hard on the outside. And I can't possibly do that because I'm such a love bucket. Like yeah. I really am yeah. that, um, I have, what I've had to do is steal myself from haters <clears throat> by saying, I know how many people are getting helped, but I'm going to be honest with you. I get very few haters because I think people see yeah. the intention, the yes, intention of the work.
2: They do. And, you know, you, the, the, here's the thing, Nicole, just giving you a warning. As you grow, just, I know. it's just how They're it is. The look. bigger you get, the more the that comes. And I swear, it's just, we know this. And it's something about our society. We just love building people up. And then we just, it's so much fun to tear them down, whatever. I also think that, you know, people need to be ready i think the generation is more ready now than they've been but you know you're always going to get that And you know my thing is when i'm at my best by the way i'm an italian guy like dr sano so i'm very reactionary but when i'm at my best and i see someone who comes from a place of darkness or hatred i just say you know they're not far enough on their journey and maybe it's going to be the next life they get there and i'm just going to kind of move over to someone else. You know, I am
3: so with you on that. I'm so with you on that. So, so you on that.
2: Let's get back to Let's get back to, okay. Nicole, yeah, get back you, to you, it. You got us hanging.
3: Mm-hmm. Okay. So I was, just, I was just doing that to get you guys all at the edge yeah, of your seat. So. You've got, you've got me. <laughs> so I leave Dr. Sarno's office and I say, okay, it makes sense. If you journal, you make space for these feelings to come up. And he instructed that I should make three lists. Childhood, daily life and personality, and just bullet out the things that might be in there, might be in this unconscious reservoir of rage and, you know, shame, sadness, fear, grief, whatever. So I bullet out these lists and I find myself, you know, and I'm, I'm journaling and I find myself, um, what I call playing my tapes, which is I'm telling the stories of the things that I know upset me that time in fourth grade, that time in sixth grade, you know, mm-hmm. um, that time when I was in high school and the, 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 this and that happened and I felt embarrassed and, you know, I'm writing these stories and like, I'm not, I'm, I'm telling the truth, but it just felt like a whole lot of nothing, just to be honest. But I was doing it because I was once again, being the student, I'm just going to do what I'm told. Mm-hmm. And so um, so I find myself picking the topic of motherhood which is just a very broad topic under my daily life category. And so I'm writing about motherhood in the same way. I have two babies. I wasn't expecting to have a second one so soon. So I have two babies in cribs, two babies in diapers. This wasn't what I planned. And, you know, my ex-husband, he's always working. So I feel so alone and I'm tired. You know, I don't get a lot of sleep. So all these things that are normal and understandable and certainly are the truth. And I heard sort of that inner voice that that higher voice saying something to me and I paused and I paid attention and the words I heard were you're lying and I was like no I'm not I'm not lying this is what's going on in my life right now and the voice said you're gonna need to go deeper than that if you want to understand what you need to heal and it was from wherever I have no idea Um, i've never been a religious person but it was just something that it was my inner it was my deepest knowing
2: nicole how do we get people i have some guesses but how do we get people to be able to you know have that voice come in or hear that voice you know what i mean because that was key because
3: that was key it was everything you hear that right
2: and i go oh no how can kelsey or maria or uh, you know i i I want to hear I more actually about have that. A
3: very, I have a very specific answer to that. And okay. actually you're the first person who asked it right at this point in the story. And it makes me realize that this point in the story is is why I heard the inner voice because we must start with the surface truths in order to get to the deeper ones, okay? So what we do is it's like, you start with just telling the story. What's going on right now? I'm having a hard day. The dog is sick. My kid was disrespectful. I'm worried about money. You know, you 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 tell the story and what happens to you and I believe there's a spiritual aspect to it, you don't have to believe there's a spiritual aspect in order for it to work for you, is that that comfort that you can find by telling the surface truth allows for the deeper truth to rise. Something I had no idea was happening at the time, but that is exactly the answer to your question, which is, and I teach this, You know, obviously we're in an interview, there's only so much I'm gonna be able to say today, but there's tons of resources to figure it, to find out about my work. I teach this all the time, which is we start with the surface truths, and the surface truth will bring us to the X marks the spot. And then you have to dig.
2: And and you're not medicating at this point. You're not heavy Med- you on the oxys or things like that. For oh back. God, no,
3: no, no, no. Because no, I would I have- think
2: that would block the voice. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely.
3: And we can, we can talk about the whole medical model and where it intersects at some point, but I was absolutely not medicating at all at that Good. point.
2: Okay. Because no. I just, again, I just like, I think there's, there's people will do the homework. I'm like you, I wasn't a, when i was again at my best i'm a great student at my worst forget it but uh, but (laughs) i'm like you start with the pen and this look at you see if you can't see i'm already like taking vociferous notes here
3: that Um, was the pad i was using yeah
2: (laughs) right there you go right but but you know i i think that um it's just hearing that voice that really it's i'm so glad you heard it and um that that's what fascinates me because i i feel like other people might not think that voice will come to them. But maybe if they're clear-headed, if they're breathing, if they do the surface work, like you're saying, That's, it, yes. it just will happen.
3: You know, I often tell people, life is a behavior modification program. You can never think yourself into better feelings. You must act your way. That is the bottom line. Little actions lead to epiphany. And so the fact that I was sitting there at the desk with my yellow legal pad, making time for myself, getting my childcare, right? Having a cup of tea that it begins the process of opening. And now I'm telling the story. My kids are little, I'm tired. I'm overwhelmed, not lies, but the voice said, we need to look deeper. And I said, okay. And here's the place, Kevin, where I have to say that, My desperation, that moment in the picture window, staring out at the stars, when I said, I'll do anything came into play because I was being invited to do something hard, which is what's underneath all that exhaustion. What's underneath all that discontent? Is it just that you're tired? A lot of people stop right there. And I was willing to do anything. And I asked into my truth. And what came to me was the first line of journal speak, which is the language I teach ever penned. And that line was, I hate being a mother. And it flowed out of me like the most painful battery acid on my tongue. I mean, I what? I, I said, what? And it said, I hate being a mother. And I just let the pen move on the page. I hate this. It's wrong. It's ruined. I did it wrong. I messed it up. I'm broken. I can't do it anyway. Everything's, I had the wrong babies. My daughter, she has curly blonde hair. She looks like my ex-husband. She cries in my face. These aren't the right babies. This isn't the right life. Everything is ruined. And And I just didn't stop.
0: <laughs> bonus wonderful pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts with six grams of protein in every one ounce serving. So on top of all that, they keep me feeling satisfied. I'm energized while I'm juggling all this crazy stuff in life. Next time you're looking for a convenient and guilt-free snack, head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com and stock up on your favorite flavors today. Minus the sweet chili. And I by the way, was...
2: what I just think of you, I'm sorry, that because I think of your personality I'm getting to know you, Weren't you even ashamed to admit that, right? Isn't that the worst thing in the world the, to
3: admit? Be, beyond, first of all, let's, let's, let's dial back. At 19, I was told I would never even have these children, okay? Yeah. I had started fantasizing about being a mother when I was 10. All I wanted to do, my mother and I have this joke that when I was a little girl and she said, what do you want to be when you grow up? I used to say, I want to do nothing like you. Which <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh my God, hilarious. <laughs> oh, my mother used to love that one. But um, oh I, I, I didn't see myself beyond motherhood. I, I, I didn't know I was going to have this big career and be a therapist and do all this. I didn't, I thought I was going to have children And stay home with them because it was all I ever wanted. And not that there's anything wrong with that. And and when we get to the end of the story, you'll realize that my kids are literally everything to me. And there's nothing I love more than being a mother. But in that moment for that scared, broken little girl inside, the one who was repressing all that sadness and rage and grief, I had to tell the truth first. And the truth of that little girl, the inner child, which is I do so much work on this, is I hate this. I'm terrified. I'm screwing it up. I'm doing it wrong. I did it all wrong. And and I just didn't stop writing. And that and then I got another voice. And the voice said, "Wait, wait, wait. You don't hate your babies and you don't hate being a mother. There's mm. more here. Keep digging, keep digging." Keep and then it moved to my parents. I really went I really went ham hey, on my parents. I hate you. I hate both of you. You <laughs> oh, no. made horrible decisions. You ruined me. You know, I mean, it's journal speak is a language of a five-year-old having a temper tantrum. It is not something that anyone ever needs to hear. And when you're done with your journal speak practice, my first instruction is you throw it away. You rip it into a public garbage can, you delete it from your computer, you don't save it on the cloud. This is not language that anyone else would ever understand. It is to set yourself free. One of my old clients used to say, it's like blowing your nose in a tissue, throw it away. You're getting out the gunk. This is not, you're not writing the great American novel. And so I was writing and writing and it went, the, the rage went to my parents. And then all of a sudden I had this like great compassion for my parents who, my dad was an immigrant. My mother was trying her best. We had terrible money problems. You know, he died young. Like they were, they were doing what they could. And I did come to compassion and not everyone does. And you don't need to, by the way, okay. but it, it I did. And then well immediate- you know even
2: even maybe nicole if you can't get to compassion maybe at least empathy you know, how they think, did they and, get to this place and it,
3: wouldn't it be great to get to empathy but i have worked with enough people over the years that have that have been so wronged sexual abuse physical abuse terrible neglect that yeah. they can't get to empathy they or compassion and i say then just know what happened then just know what happened. does it help for them how to? You feel does about it, it
2: help for them to know like let's say if a if that person were abused or that person were, does, does that help at all?
3: That can build, that can certainly build empathy and compassion. And, 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 and I want to tell people that the spoiler alert to the end of all of this for you, because we're just hearing my story, but for you is that inner peace, you will be able to understand everything that happened and feel in alignment with it. And, it. and it's a long journey and it's simple, but it's not easy, but it is absolutely the end. And when you get there, you also have absolutely no chronic pain. So this is, this is the truth. So anyway, I, I know I've, I'm taking forever to get there. No, but no, I, no, um, it's,
2: it's okay because it's, it's, it's all so helpful. I, I know it's helping me. So please, Nicole, continue.
3: Okay, thank you. Um, so then the rage moved to the person that really needed to hear it is that I was rageful at myself. Mm. You weak baby, you can't oh, no. raise these kids. Everybody can raise kids. You stupid idiot. You couldn't figure this out. Your father was right. You've always been a failure. I mean, all of it, but I didn't stop. I didn't get scared. I didn't press up that palm of resistance and what we resist persists. And I didn't resist it. And I let it come and I let it come. And I finished that sit down exercise and I don't know how long it took with tearful compassion for myself. Just a soft, sweet baby, just trying the best I could, just doing the best with what I was given. And I just felt this process beginning for myself. And I woke up the next morning and my back pain was 80% gone, never to return. Within the next couple months, I worked with Dr. Sarno on the brain conditioning that was causing the last 20%. And within a few months, I had never had back pain again, not for one day. I had a third child exercised till the day she was born. I'm almost 49 years old. I'm in incredible shape. There is nothing about me that is affected by this normal abnormality in my back and it is because of my understanding of this mind-body connection and i cannot speak more passionately about the importance for every person suffering to know that this is what's happening in you
2: so you so you get you get to the place where you then blame yourself then you of course um forgive yourself because you realize you're just a child trying your best um you throw away the journal right away just right get, away, right away. Okay. Go. Destroy
3: it immediately upon finishing burn, burn upon reading, <laughs> burn
2: upon reading. Great. And then, um, and you immediately start noticing relief. Now, is this a practice that you have to go keep going back to?
3: Yes. Okay. So what I like to say when I tell my story, my story is a very, you know, kind of hyperbolic, you know, exciting story, but this is just human life. We all need to mind our mind-body connection the way we mind our physical health. You know, what I say about your mind-body connection is kind of like if you wanted six-pack abs and somebody said, yeah, okay, this is how you get it. You go to the gym and you do these exercises. And if you care about having six-pack abs, there's a recipe. And if you do the work, you'll get them. You can't go and watch people at the gym. You can't imagine the gym. You can't decide you could, but you're not going to get the abs. And so what I'm saying is this work, if you want this mind body health, if you want to get rid of this chronic condition that you're suffering from or get more energy or find more joy for life or have better relationships or get pregnant or, or, or have preventative stuff like it, I, I do believe this works significantly um, prevents cancer and other things that afflict us. It's not a cure for cancer but it's, I work with cancer patients all the time, specifically actually in the past breast cancer, because I know you mentioned that. And, um and I have worked with people that have had incredible recoveries. Now I can't say whether or not this work was a factor or not. I'm not, I'm, I'm not a mind reader and I'm not a doctor, but I will tell you I've watched it. I've watched it help people go through chemotherapy without losing their hair. I mean, there's just incredible things I've seen from this work. When you understand the dance between the mind and the body. So I, this wasn't the last time I journaled because I had a long road of like, I started getting migraines at one point at the time I was speaking on the Sarno panel at NYU. Cause I worked with him for years, speaking on his um, panels um, at the, at the college. And um, I was sitting on stage once and I was, was, had been getting these terrible migraines and somebody was asking me a question and I just stopped myself in my tracks. And I remember I had the mic in my hand. I go, I just realized I don't need to get these headaches anymore. It was a real journey of discovery for me. Like I had to understand it wasn't just about back pain. I had to understand that it was a a, sort of like your body is like a pinball machine. And if this repressed emotional world is is at the point where it's going to keep spilling over, it's going to be like a bing, bing, you know, headache and then shoulder pain and then back pain and then a stomach thing. But when you do the work, when you understand the belief, which is what I'm explaining and and I have so many resources because sometimes you have to sit in the belief. Sometimes you have to marinate in the belief. You know, I have a podcast and and people often say they just walk every day and listen to an episode of the podcast and little by slowly, the belief kind of comes into them yeah. and they know they can do this for themselves. The journal speak practice, I assign people a 30 minute a day practice when they're at the beginning. You certainly don't need to do it every day for the rest of your life, but I assign it at the beginning because you really need to get your nervous system from sustained fight or flight to sustained rest and repair. And that is something that takes um, consistency, just like the six pack abs. You got to show up and you have to do the work. And the process is just a 20 minute journal speak practice followed by a 10 minute meditation any loving kindness meditation to sit with the compassion. And some people don't come to it naturally. So just to feel patience and kindness for yourself and to know I'm doing my best. I'm a human being. I have frailties and flaws just like anyone else. And I'm doing this work to save my own life. And so that 30 minutes a day is an absolute game changer. And I've been watching it change people's lives for 20 years.
2: And, and this, this you know, is every day for rest of your life or is uh, is there like a, a point where you can... I
3: What I would say is any kind of spiritual work, anything that you guys are teaching on Better Together, it's to, it's to get a toolkit, right? So you mm-hmm. get a toolkit and you find this and you find that and you find this and there you have your toolkit. Journal speak is a tool in your toolkit, just like a lot of things. When you get yourself out of chronic pain which happens for some people very quickly and for some people slowly it re- it's really depends on how much trauma you've had what your personality is like how much you carry perfectionism and goodism and needing to do to be uh, a be seen as a good person how codependent you are mm-hmm. there's so many different factors but no matter even if you scored 10 on all the things i just said there's still hope for you as long as you are willing to do the work with belief and patience and kindness for yourself then it just becomes a tool in your toolkit like today In my life i'm like i said i'm almost 49 i'm a parent of three i'm doing all this crazy work around the world there will be days where i wake up and like um i'll get like i call it the wing it's like you know when your scapula hurts Mm -hmm. (laughs) okay and it's like annoying you can't move your neck and i'll go oh all right i obviously have a lot going on it's a journal speak day and i get down to it and i have a lot of different practices and prompts and stuff that i teach so i just listen to my own work. I'm a product of my product and I do my work. And maybe sometimes it takes me a few days. Um, I had a really interesting thing happen to me about a year or two ago where I got something called burning mouth syndrome, something that I had never heard of. And now it's almost like when you, when you're pregnant, all you do is see pregnant women. Now everyone has burning mouth. I hear about it all the time, but, um, I got this burning mouth syndrome. And I'm a human being like anyone else. So what did I do? I ran to the doctor and I said, um, I'm dying. My whole mouth feels like it's on fire. What's wrong with me? And she said, well, let's get blood work. Fine. I, I believe in medicine when you need it. And she said, okay, all your blood work is normal. Um, you know, she said some people who have this, try this mouthwash and I'm listening to her. And she goes, you know, it's really crazy. I have this other patient who has terrible burning mouth syndrome. She's been everywhere. She's been to Hopkins. She flew up to the Mayo Clinic. She's done all these things. And you know what they keep telling her? And I said, what? She said, they keep telling her it's psychological. And I go, oh, all right, thanks, bye. (laughs) Did, Did the journal speak and you know what came out?
2: What?
3: I'm not being heard. I'm desperate to share this message and all I want to do is shout it from the rooftops and no one's listening. And I think part of that was right around when Dr. Sarno died because he died a couple summers ago at the age of 94. And I felt like now it's like all on me. Not that I'm the only one in the world who's doing this work, but it felt like a tremendous pressure that all these people are suffering and I need to get the, and as soon as I got that, the burning mouth went away and never came back. This is real guys. Like I know this, even when I say it, I know it sounds crazy. This is physical brain science.
2: It doesn't sound crazy to me. It's, it's really about, we do a lot of talk on our show, but we do a regular guy Friday episode, mm-hmm. Kelsey and I, where it's just, <laughs> we just say we're regular people and in a regular world. But we were talking last week about awareness and we keep hearing from super successful people who come on the show. We have billionaires, we have healers, we have all world-class people like you, Nicole, and it just, I marvel at the awareness. And I think if you can have that awareness, which is like you said, calm, you were there, you had your tea, you the kids were in uh, being taken care of somewhere else. Um, obviously, you wanted this to work too, but yes. it's so much about awareness. I, I've always said with any problem, you're halfway there. If you can know, you know. the problem is or why you're having it we're we're halfway awareness
3: i say that all the time awareness is the first step that's i say i like find myself because i have this instagram account where i put out a lot of information and i find myself writing that to almost every person who's like but wait but wait i say no awareness start with awareness
2: and i think that's it's finding ways to love yourself enough to quiet everything around you maria has a really hard time i mean she's like a little kid i have to put her to bed i literally Mm -hmm. have to go by the way, Kelsey's not the same way. I we have this, I have our office. It's gonna sound weird. We have a recliner in there, but I'll be like, get on the recliner. Here's the electric blanket. <laughs> just stop. Totally. Just, Absolutely. Just, you know, with Maria, it's the same thing. Like, stop, get stop worrying about, you know, this one and that one and the dog and mom and dad and this and that. Yeah. And you know, and um and she's at her best when I I she has these tremendous breakthroughs when it gets quiet, but and this yeah. is someone of means. And so my heart really goes out to the people who don't have the means, who, you know, are working day and night to feed their children or themselves or care for sick people. Yeah. So I think the, it starts with them finding a way to carve out that 30 minutes, like you said, 20 minutes to write, 10 minutes just of quiet, but you know, it's f- f- for such a greater good, not just, I, it's hard to reach people to Nicole, like the people like you and a lot of the people on the heel squad who listen to this show because they put everyone else first. So they're that,
3: right. Yes. And that is actually a big, so, so one thing that I didn't mention um in terms of this work is that when you do the original lists in order to figure out what you need to journal about, it's childhood, daily life, and personality. There are certain personality characteristics and Dr. Sarno talks about this a lot. And I know Stern talks about this a lot of people that are typical to get this kind of more, um, the more, uh, the more difficult mind body stuff, meaning like the back pain, the neck pain, the shoulder pain, the hip pain, the migraines, the fibromyalgia, the autoimmune the pain, diseases, which the, the symptoms of autoimmune disease. Exactly. Yes. The type of per- people that get this are usually people pleasers do good, good doers, meaning like everybody needs to be taken care of before I'm taken care of. Codependent, I'm not okay unless you're okay. I I want I want your feelings to be okay, and then your feelings become my feelings. Perfectionists, I'm not good unless I get an A, unless everybody sees me as not making a mistake. There are very specific types of people. And oftentimes these people think that they're doing a, a service to themselves by being so good, yes. by putting everyone else first. And in fact, as Dr. Sarno would say, they're very angry. They're very angry and that anger Mm -hmm. has no space in their self-definition. There is no place in the way they view themselves for that anger. And because there's no place for it, it must be repressed and repressed feelings must come out somewhere. And I I see it
2: a lot in cancer, Nicole.
3: Yes.
0: My dad was a
2: people pleaser and and it's the anger. And I I see a lot of people, Maria's mom, the givers of the world. I see it come out in cancer. You know, I I know it comes out in all those other things, but I've seen it at the the extreme of cancer, and um, and I that's why I always say when people reach out, I, I say one of the first things to do, you know, along with your diet and maybe holistic treatments, is get to the core, get to the psychology, yes. why, where there's there's more there, get in therapy, and and now like follow Nicole Sachs, but I think um, these are just such incredible triggers and all the things you just mentioned, it's those things that. Uh, yeah, we carry. I mean, it's like I'm, i I know with Kelsey's stomach, and you know, and Kelsey, can we talk about your stomach? Yeah, of course. You know, it's but make tell her a little bit about. Uh, you guys maybe talked a little bit about it already.
1: Uh, a little bit, yeah. I mean, I think it's so crazy. Like all these things you're saying, Nicole, and you and I chatted, and I'm like, yep, yep, yep. And I actually <laughs> had an acu. I literally wrote it down because I had an acupuncturist tell me he was like exactly what you said about experiencing rage and like suppressed rage. And when he put the needles in my stomach, I felt like my stomach was on fire. And he literally said to me, he was like, that's suppressed rage. And I was like, I'm not a rageful person. I don't like, I'm not an angry person. Exactly. Holy shit though. And then it's like, you start to really think about it. And I've just now recently, after starting to listen to you, I've started to journal. I need two more. But anyways, I mean, the stomach, the stomach thing is I've had stomach issues my whole life. And in the last, I would say, three to four years, they've gotten significantly worse. Um, And now it's just manifested to where it's like a 24 seven football in my gut. And yeah, yeah.
3: So here's what I want to say to you, Kelsey, about Mm -hmm. your stomach, your stomach pain is her back pain and her back pain is his migraines and his migraines are her fibromyalgia. It doesn't matter how it is expressed through your body. The reason that you have stomach problems is because it's, it's, um, something your brain is easily conditioned to. You've had stomach problems your whole life. And because the mind body system seeks the path of least resistance, probably the reason I got back pain is I do have a normal abnormality. My spine certainly doesn't look like a a spine in a kid's health class, you know, at all. Mm -hmm. And so usually it's, it's a bit of a path of least resistance. And I have thousands of stories about people who are like, you know, I had pelvic pain. My grandmother had such horrible pelvic pain. She killed herself. And then all one day I'm 21 years old and I get pelvic pain. These things are happening way too often to be coincidences. Mm -hmm. And so Kelsey's stomach always been an issue. You probably define yourself to some extent as a person with stomach issues. You know, that's just part of who I am. I've always had to eat a certain way. I've always had to carry myself in a certain way. Yes, I've heard and you what say what these happens,
2: things. <laughs> of course, say of these course. Things. I
3: mean, it couldn't be more normal to do that. You know, I became the girl with the bad back, right? We mm-hmm. all we all kind of carry these labels, whether we like them or not. And so what I will promise you, Kelsey, is if you are doing this work, immerse yourself. I can give you all sorts of resources your stomach problems are a thing of the past. And I have no doubt. And when I say that to people, they go, Oh, I don't know. I said, borrow my confidence, borrow my confidence because not only do I have my own body as my constant science experiment, I've worked with thousands and thousands. If you count my podcast, millions Mm -hmm. of people around the world who are writing to me and doing this work and they're healing It's incredible because all the stomach is, is a space that shuts down during fight or flight. You know, if anyone knows anything about neuroscience, when your body is in, when your nervous system perceives you as danger, one of the first things that happens is your respiration and your circulation become more able to function because you might need to run or you might need to fight for your life. And one of the first things that shuts down is digestion. Mm. The last thing you need to do when you're fighting the woolly mammoth is need to go to the bathroom or be. You need to be hungry you know everything just slows down and it causes tremendous problems and wow. so to understand that just on a very basic physical level is so is sometimes really h- helpful in people cultivating the belief that they need mm-hmm. in order to open the door the belief opens the door the belief and the willingness open the door to the possibility of doing the work which was mm-hmm. my whole story and then patience and kindness for yourself which is like you know it's okay right. it's okay right. it's been a long road yeah. well and
1: it's so interesting because you're a hundred percent right and i think when i think about the fight or flight thing the last four years especially like the last two were like crazy fight or flight for me in my workplace and that's when they got like significantly worse it stomach yeah yeah Yeah. And so
2: so Nicole, do you advise people who work in let's say or in toxic families or toxic work environments is there anything to do beyond the journaling that you would advise. It's, it's,
3: it's a good, it's a great question. So one of the questions I got the most when I used to sit on the Sarno panel, because the way we would do it is four of us would come up on the stage with Dr. Sarno. We would tell our personal stories. And then the audience, which was always like a lecture hall of a few hundred people, they would run a mic and they would ask us questions. So the Q&A part was, was long. It was about two hours. And I used to get the same question over and over and over again, which was, I hate my job. I know my boss is toxic. I go in there every day and I know it's causing me tremendous anger and rage, but I cannot quit it. I can't afford to quit it. I will never be able to make this money if I leave, blah, blah, blah. And, I, and Dr. Sarno would always say the same thing and I say the same thing. You don't need to change anything in your life. You just need to know how you feel. Because the whole point of this dance between the brain and the nervous system is, if the nervous system, perceives your repressed emotions—how angry you are, how much you hate the boss, how much you fantasize about killing him, how much <laughs> you find yourself to be a failure because you can't bring yourself to kill him, right? Whatever, whatever mm-hmm. you you've got there. Well,
2: you don't have a better job, or you're not the boss yourself, or you're not th- exactly, or yep, you, or your father it. was
3: right, right? We always go back to, you know, your parents yeah, yeah. were right about you all all along, you know. And I, I'm being a bit facetious about this because we do need to lighten it up because God knows if we take ourselves too seriously. Or, like, or, what's, or, or, what's or again the for
2: the ki- kids that I raise, oh, your parents were wrong. Cause your parents you told you, you were a rock star ah. and you were going to the moon and now you're not, you don't feel you are. And so mom and, and life were is wrong. a horrible yes.
3: disappointment. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so whatever it is, we all have our huge bag of garbage that we're dragging with us. Sorry. It's your human being. You can't get out oh without it. God. So whatever that is, your brain and your nervous system perceive that bag of garbage as a greater predator then your stomach problems or your back problems or your headaches or whatever. The only way we can ever convince the nervous system that it's wrong is to turn toward the feelings and feel them and know them and be present with the truth. Then the symptoms go away. Now to your point, Kevin, if at that point, You are a symptom-free person in alignment with yourself, knowing your rights, knowing your highest good, understanding that you've been shutting yourself down all these years. Might you choose to now quit that job knowing that like you know who you are? Perhaps, but it's not necessary. the The point of this whole dance between the brain and the nervous system is information. Doctor Doctor Sarno used to say, "My um, prescription is knowledge." Once people understand what's going on here, and you turn toward the feelings, you feel them, you know them, and it can take a minute because we we've spent you know however many years repressing things. You're not going to walk out in two weeks. You know, I mean, this is this is going to take a second. But when you do this work. And you start convincing the nervous system that there is no danger. Then we can align more with like regular animals. You know, the human animal is the only animal that can see the truth and reality in their perception as more real than what's right in front of them. Mm. So if you take a herd of zebra... Okay, and a predator is introduced. The whole herd will go wild, right? They'll start shaking. They'll start bumping into each other and they'll try to run and all this stuff. And you'll see them all getting signals from each other. The moment the predator is is removed. okay. so the lion walked in. It got a better idea. It walked away. They might take a few minutes. They're going to shake it off. They're going to go back to grazing. They don't make meaning out of the predator if it's there their nervous systems are, are firing and when it leaves it goes down human beings can't let go we need to we need to do the work in order to let go or else the reality here in our minds becomes realer then what's going on right in front of us, and we become the victims of confirmation bias. We can't, con- we can't convince ourselves heartily enough that we're okay, because our nervous system is in sustained fight or flight, and this is what the work does. It brings you from fight or flight to rest and repair. You get conscious of the unconscious anger and rage. Like Kelsey said, I'm not an angry person. I promise you, you're really pissed off about a ton of <laughs> shit and, and, and it's okay. And it, it, it flies in the face of your self-definition. That's okay. This is where the compassion comes in. Mm. You're bigger than this. We're bigger than this moment, you know? And, and there's so much going on that we don't know. And when you learn it, the symptoms go away, but I will say that the pain or the fatigue, or the autoimmune, whatever brings you here is the biggest, littlest part. It knocks on the door of this process. But as you kind of quoted me at the beginning, it just brings you to the precipice of the truths that have been awaiting your acknowledgement. And once you start seeing them, the pain goes, but then it's like, what do I want to do with my life? What kind of partner do I want to be? What kind of parent do I want to be? What kind of contribution do I want to make to the, I mean, it's, amazing one of the things i I
2: said to gabby bernstein about you know my wife maria was that she is a ferrari going 160 with a tractor trailer of cement you would say garbage but garbage and cement (laughs) together and and it's like if she can learn to lose that tractor trailer oh my god that ferrari is just kind of
3: Sale and it's, some people are scared of that. Gabby, Gabby does my work, by the way. She's been on my podcast. Um, uh, yeah, no people, but believe it or not, and this is when when the work gets a bit deeper. We have to look into our terror over what we might be if we let go of that garbage. What might yes. I be if I were this Ferrari? Yeah. Would I be able to control yes. it?
2: Yeah. What? Yeah. Yeah. Or. I won't have this crut- these crutches anymore, maybe I don't have that story anymore, right like it's, oh yeah, there's a lot of that, yeah, and again, with awareness, and I think that's probably a few steps ahead of where when you start with Nicole's program, you end up getting there. I think you know, okay, if you have cancer uh, um this is amazing. If you have, uh, like I have uh, Hajimotos, if you have great, but I think for other people out there that are having the migraines or heartburn or fatigue, yes, heartburn's a big or, one. Right. If you're having all these things, I just more than likely they're, they're, they're uh, triggers for something greater. That's going to come. But if you can start doing this work now, you'll not only be relieved from them, you're really going to prevent the darker stuff that's gonna come, you know, for me, I was like, You 100%. had IBS like when I was in my early 20s, and that just kept going. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, and then to Hajimoto's, which is a fight or flight thing. I didn't know that the Navy SEALs this is the number one affliction of the Navy SEALs. I didn't know. I thought, like, Oh, why wow, I, I didn't
3: either. Yeah, yeah I was it like, makes Wait, makes sense though, right?
2: And I was like, Why do yeah. I have this? This seems like a feminine thing, like, no, it's f- fight or flight, fight or flight. And, um, but I think now looking back if, if I could have done the work then, and I'm fine, I'm going to do the work now. So I'm very happy to do it. But I think for other people out there that just be aware of the kind of little things you have on the horizon that you don't think are really that big a deal, but you know, it's, there, there's a, there's a, even if it's not getting your period, I keep going back to it. Cause that, mm-hmm. that blows me away. I have a lot of friends who like for years haven't had their period, like in their twenties. And I'm like, what?
1: A ton, yeah. a ton, me being one of them. And then I
3: talk to a million and one other people and they're like, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Years. Like that's it's crazy. amazing. And, and, and one of the things I want to say about the human body is that, you know, there's that cliche. We only understand 6% of our brain. I don't know what we're up to in 2021. Maybe we got, we've gotten to nine or 10. I don't, I'm, I don't know. But we don't understand, nobody, I don't. the best scientists at Harvard and Mayo and wherever you want to go that you think is the top tier, nobody understands the exact reason that the human body behaves as it does. Mm-hmm. And I want to bring in long COVID for a moment because long COVID has been all over the news, it's everywhere, and I am working with people all the time now. I mean, I don't do private practice anymore. Just uh, FYI, people are always writing me, me now, right. and I'm like, no, I don't have time for private practice because I'm blasting out to the world. But I yeah. have a lot of resources. And people are doing the work and then writing me and coming back to me, healing completely from months and months of long COVID. Okay, it's all the same. It is the dance between the brain and the nervous system. It's the sustained fight or flight. And so when you talk about you know Hashimoto's or all the or, or cancer or not getting your period. The, the human body is going to protect itself because the brain and the nervous system see your affliction whatever it is as a protective mechanism against feeling this this reservoir no matter how it needs to it will protect itself because if your nervous system asked your permission or your opinion before it gave you a reflex to save your life we there we would be extinct as a population you know um I tell this story sometimes about 20 years ago I was in London and I was having a great day and I was downtown it was a really busy day and I looked to um my I guess I looked to my left and no traffic was coming so I just stepped out into the street typical New Yorker no respect no respect for for lights or for whatever and um By the time the double-decker bus whizzed past my nose to the point where I literally felt it this close to me, I was already back on the curb. I have no recollection how I got back there because my nervous system, without asking my opinion, without saying, hey, you think um, maybe we don't want to die and jump back onto the curb, Mm. did it for me. The reflex was like lightning and I saved my life. It saved my life. That's what's happening. When you get a, a symptom, when Kelsey gets a stomach you know, problem and she feels that football, that is you jumping back onto the curb. There's been a trigger mm. that your nervous system perceives as a predator that is so great it might kill you. Feeling how angry a non-angry person is, it might kill you. Now you might say intellectually, of course it won't kill you. Your nervous system doesn't know that. Your nervous system perceives your repressed emotional world as a greater predator than your physical pain, and it will always choose your physical pain, which is a posture of safety. And when people get that, and when people get that, I am not talking about hippy dippy therapist stuff. I know I'm a therapist, but I'm not talking about this as a therapist. I'm talking about this as a clinician and as an expert in mind, body medicine, this is what's happening in the physical system. And we can't overcome it by continuing to put a shot in the place in the body that is hurting, because even if. You know, some people have a surgery and they're like, oh, well, I had a back surgery, but my back doesn't hurt anymore. And I say, oh, OK, <clears throat> what else is going on? Oh, well, I have this terrible hip thing, but I'm in physical therapy for that. It will move around. Yeah. And I, I know that this is so an annoy, such an annoying thing, but it's true. And like I come with such passion for people to understand the truth.
2: And I think of the people that um, when I think of the very few people that uh, and I, really very few. I, maybe on one hand, who don't have these physical symptoms, they are the ones who are just kind of lighter, and things mm-hmm. have rolled off them, and they have this kind of
3: super laid back.
2: You know, I think of Maria's dad, and I think he got diabetes, type one diabetes. He's had it for fifty four years. He's a, he's a people would call him a medical marvel. In fact, MIT wants to study his body because there's no loss of vision, no numbness in the limbs, no loss wow. of limbs, nothing, and he works fourteen fifteen hours a day and probably more like a like a 28 or 29-year-old for what he physically can do. Um, but he is of the belief that he was so stressed out in his late teens and early 20s over his parents and feeding them and pressure and this and that. That's when he, he got these nosebleeds and then it was diabetes. He's convinced it's that. And he's worked over the 50-some-odd-year period. He hasn't gone into the... The doing the childhood work and things like that. I think for him, um, he's just different. What he does is he has found a way to stay present. And if there's things that are upsetting to him, he is he doesn't sweep it under the rug, but he's just like, I don't want to, I don't want to sit there. I don't want to sit there in that pain. I'm going to go and garden. I'm going to go and he has his own little things, but but I think of exactly. someone like him. And he's one of the, you know, he does have the diabetes, but I think of what he's been able to do physically because of his, his mindset. And I think most of us don't have that. So we have to, we have to open the hood and do the work.
3: That's exactly what I was thinking as you were talking, you know, yes, some people are graced with that kind of I mean, one and like, I literally on one hand, I think I know three people
2: in my whole life. Some (laughs)
3: people, some people are graced with that. And the reason that I teach what I teach is because, you know, Short of putting a magic wand over someone and making their personality like that, um, there, there's, there needs to be some sort of a rubric to do the work.
2: And especially today because we are so much more plugged in. You know, He came from a village uh. with no running water. And right. so he's not going to be addicted to his phone. He does, By the way, he's on Facebook. He has his phone. He has fun with it. But man, that thing goes right on the... Forget oh, yeah. it. we lose it half the time. And he's Greek dancing. He's doing ecstatic dancing. Yeah. He doesn't know it's ecstatic dancing, but he's doing all of these yeah,
3: practices. That's awesome.
2: But because you know, he's you know, for us who especially the young generation, you know, we're born with an iPhone in their butt. Like Yeah. So <laughs> I, know. I have so, a few. right, yeah, right? And there's so much stimulation. So it's inevitable that we're gonna have to deal with these mm-hmm. things. And um, I love the way of dealing with this. Uh, and, uh, I'm, I'm excited to get to work myself. Kelsey, what were you going to say? I was
1: going to ask Nicole, I want you to talk a little bit about more about, um, the, what is it? COVID, COVID long haul. Yeah. And what everyone's oh, yeah, experienced. Cause I right. just think that like.
2: So wait, Nicole, is that, you talking about the mental ramifications are you talking about no, people who've actually, people have actually physical. had COVID?
3: Oh, yeah. So have you heard, Kevin, about all this COVID long haul stuff yet?
2: No, no, it's nothing to worry about. Excellent. Let me me get on that.
3: Okay. no, no, no. Don't don't worry about (sighs) it. But but here's here's the thing that's happening. And you can look up um, Anderson Cooper did a piece on it on 60 Minutes. Um, uh, Michael Barbaro did a piece on it yesterday on The Daily, which is the New York Times podcast. But it's everywhere. And what it is, is that certain people. And I don't know enough about the personalities of the people, but there's definitely a a sect of society, a a sect of people that got relatively mild COVID, so did not have discernible heart or lung damage or brain damage of any kind that can be documented, that for some reason after the virus resolved generally, so they weren't sick anymore have gotten these long haul symptoms, among them brain fog, chest pain, trouble breathing, mental confusion, severe fatigue, body pains, headaches. So of course, COVID long haul, this starts to be something people, and I I have my, my ear to the door of all this stuff always because this is my work. And I start hearing about COVID long haul and I think, huh. That sounds awful like the stuff that I'm constantly treating in people who didn't have COVID and who have been under tremendous stress. And then I thought to myself, hmm, what's the worst possible shame, fear, grief and stress you can be under? I don't know. Getting a deadly disease in a global pandemic that just shut down the entire world. Mm -hmm. You know, in the piece in 60 Minutes, all the people they were interviewing had gotten COVID in March. Can you imagine getting COVID in March? No. If you're out there and you got COVID in March, I send my heart directly out to you because it was terrifying Mm -hmm. in March. We were, we were, when my kids got, when I got groceries, I was with paper, with plastic gloves, wiping down the freaking groceries. I mean, we were in a state of panic as a society. There was so much uncertainty. There was a, there was a sense also of like, um, like an ostracizing quality of getting COVID, like, oh, so and so had, did you hear they had, they got COVID? You know, it was, mm-hmm. it was just, there was so much stigma attached to it. No wonder that these people, their nervous systems got caught in that fight or flight place. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, it opens it up to the reservoir of whatever other shit that they had in their garbage bag, which we all know, we all do. Okay. Nobody's, no one's immune to that to open up. So I knew COVID long haul was among the, under the umbrella of TMS. So I don't know if you've ever heard Dr. Sarno talk about TMS. It's just an acronym. It's called tension myositis or myoneural syndrome. The the words don't matter except for TMS is an umbrella under which all these things we're talking about live. Everything from not getting your period to back pain, to symptoms of autoimmune disease, to migraines, to COVID long haul. It's just under this umbrella. It's an easy way to say it. So I knew that COVID long haul was TMS. I knew it in, intuitively because I've been doing this work for so many years, to over 25 if you count in my own body. But there was really nobody to tell and certainly nobody to listen. So I just kind of was like talking about it on my own Instagram. I have an IGTV series. I made a video on mm-hmm. it. I put it on my YouTube channel. And then about a month ago, I got an email from this lovely young girl. Her name is Lika, and she's in the Netherlands. And she said, I suffered from COVID long haul so severely that I was certain that I was going to die. I could, she's 35 years old, in excellent shape. I couldn't walk from my couch to my kitchen for 10 months. I couldn't bathe myself. I was giving myself sponge baths. I couldn't wear a bra for months and months, because I, the, just the compression of the bra on my chest, I lost tons of weight. In the evening, I would call my mother, not sure I would make it through the night. I gave her my passwords for my computer and for my my different things, so so that somebody would know them if I were to die in the night. This is how that girl was functioning. She said, "I um, listened to a Dutch podcast." a podcast I personally have never heard of. It's in the Dutch language. I don't under even understand. Somebody was talking about your work, meaning mine. I Googled you. I downloaded your online course. I did the work and she wrote me, I'm totally better. I painted my bedroom yesterday. I went on a three mile bike ride and I said, I need to get you on my podcast. So I interviewed her on my podcast about, I think it's about a month ago. I've received Hundreds of letters from people around the world saying, oh, my God, I'm getting better. My headaches are down from every day to once a week. I, I, so she I took had a walk rage. yesterday with a friend.
2: So, Nicole, she you, you were able to discover she was able to discover rage and shame and all of those things.
3: Well, the first thing with people with COVID long haul, they usually just have to excavate the amount of fear and stress Mm. they were under just having the COVID, you know, COVID long haul in itself has has a genesis because of the amount of terror, and especially people who got it early in the pandemic, but And then she's basically um, said that now she then she it opened her up to knowing that she had to do this work. She was like, oh, my God, I always used to get those, you know, uh, that TMJ or I always used to get that heartburn. And now I know why. And so now she started doing the work and now she's living her best life like she's an incredible woman. But all I'm saying is this is what's happening. Mm -hmm. And 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 all I hear on these news programs, which makes me crazy, is There's no solution to COVID long haul. We're just at the very beginning of understanding it. It's gonna be years and years. And when you hear these accounts of these people, I'm like, these people aren't gonna make it years and years. Some of these people are gonna take their lives. Like we need to help people understand that COVID long haul, it's very serious because it feels serious. Just like my debilitating back pain felt serious when I couldn't walk to the bathroom and my parents were carrying me, it was humiliating. But it was no more serious than, one is no more serious than the other. It's the mind body connection. It's exactly what's going on with this sustained fight or flight. When it gets to rest and repair, the symptoms go away.
2: Nicole, what about this for um, a try? If if uh, I'm take the time, journal this out. I get to the core of my rage, my shame, and all of those things. Um, what are your what's your opinion on now? I take that to a really good EMDR person to help me tap mm-hmm. it out. What do you yeah. think of that?
3: Amazing. Amazing. Beautiful. Perfect. There's, you know, it takes a village to, to keep us healthy. And I think as long as people understand that the only one that can do this work for yourself is you. So like, yes, going to therapy is fantastic. I love EMDR. I love tapping. I love holistic. I love the whole body approach. But because you're the only person living in your particular nervous system, and since it's your nervous system that's deciding that you're in danger because you're being a human and your perceptive life is more real than your actual life, only you can, can do this work and, and, get, and get the realizations and have the epiphanies and the moments of awakening. But once you start becoming more aware, yes, yes, grab hold of it and do all the things. You know, even though acupuncture is a physical solution, I love acupuncture. You just can't Mm -hmm. only use acupuncture because your nervous system won't be convinced to stop jumping off the curb because of acupuncture. But it can certainly be amazing as like a holistic practice.
2: Like with Kelsey. And again, I only make the regular guy guess. But with Kelsey, it's like I said, like your stomach's on fire. And I think it's good. The acupuncture will help put the fire down for a minute or even put it out. But what is going to, what's igniting that fire.
3: Exactly. Who's going to, what's going to happen next time someone lights a match. Right. And what's lighting the match. And that's where
2: your work I think comes in. Nicole, I I was taught by my therapist, um, that, uh, you really have to get to the subconscious and unconscious. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it's not enough to just kind of sit three days a week with a standard therapist at all. It's great. But do you, are you of that belief too, that you've got to well, get that's, deeper?
3: You, what you said is you're saying exactly what we're saying without knowing it. That's exactly what you're doing. Okay. Exactly. So if I, I would say I could count on my hand how many times I've been angry in my life. That's not true. I just. I'm not an angry person, mm. but there's so much <laughs> anger in my subconscious and, I, and I'm and i not comfortable with anger. Why? Mm. Because my dad was a rageaholic. He was a daily drinker. And every time something happened that he didn't like, he would scream at the top of his lungs. He would call you every name in the book. So I made a decision consciously and unconsciously as a young child, anger is dangerous. It's mean. It makes people feel bad and there's no use for it. And that's how I lived my whole life Oof. until I realized... Yeah, I'm really freaking angry about certain things. And I don't necessarily need to take them out on other people the way my dad did, but I need to understand them in myself. I want to be an integrated person. I want to be a whole person. And that is the way you do it by understanding this unconscious world. So 100% yes to your question.
2: And and I, I, I know you we've said it a couple of times, but it does go with this rage, but there's also shame, right? Oh, yes. And guilt. Um, And
3: grief and unfelt grief. Yeah. And, and, and when you don't feel like you have a right to your grief because everyone's like, turn the page, your feelings are no longer convenient for me, but it has to still live somewhere. I mean, that's why this work is so beautiful and so personal because it's for you. Not everybody else wants to do it with you, but you can do it for you.
2: I think it's it's interesting because I remember some, I got acupuncture and certain needles. Okay. They went in and then others were like, ah,
3: and, I know, and she, I
2: know. who I was working with, Vicky Vachelonis who's done our show many times, was like, "Oh, that's grief," you know, where she hit, and um, when you know, talking about a, a grief, you said some. I think there's people out there like who don't feel as though they're entitled to grief. Maybe you, oh, I have both my parents, or I was born with, I was born exactly. well to do, or I'm healthy, I'm a good athlete, I, you know, how, who am I to? Grieve and, and, right. and right, and so it's that's a
3: huge one. That's a huge yeah. reason for emotional repression because um, we can always discount ourselves, and even in, in the situation where it's like um, someone mistreated you, but you can see where they're coming from, your feelings are still as valid. You still need to feel what it feels like, even if you can empathize. You know, that's why a lot of people are talking about um, toxic positivity these days. I know Brene Brown was talking about it. Oh. Um, I think last oh, week. Please, can
2: you tell me what this is? Because it already just speaks to me. Mm-hmm. Whatever toxic you Toxic positivity? Said, yes, I don't know. I don't, I want the definition, but I'm like, okay, this some, for some reason is, makes perfect okay. sense to me so from what I'm guessing essen- in my mind.
3: Essentially what toxic positivity is, is that, um, it, it, it I can, In the most basic sense, it's um, put your best face forward, you know, like uh, brighten up, you know, um, man up, uh, you know, it, things aren't so bad. Uh, look on the bright side. That's like the most basic way. Okay. But basically it's a toxic positivity is a straight up lie. OK, it's about it's about putting on some sort of a persona or some sort of an attitude toward life that allows you to maybe for the moment on the surface, believe that things are better when underneath it creates rage, it creates self deception, it creates shame, it creates grief, because we know when things aren't okay. And people lean toward toxic positivity, because we're scared to tell the truth. Because first of all, we think people think we're a downer, or we're scared that we're not going to be loved and accepted, or that people won't want to be around us. You know, If you dial human beings back to our most basic needs, it's a need for connection with other human beings. Mm -hmm. Because in like a a primitive tribe, if you weren't connected to the tribe, they wouldn't feed you. They wouldn't clothe you. They wouldn't surround you with protection. You were going to die. And so we seek human connection above all else, however we need to be.
2: Or we're taught that positivity leads to success. Mm. So we're taught, like, you know, just at the base value, like, be positive, good things will happen. So it's like, okay, I'm wearing a, I'm smiling, I'm wearing a, you know, I'm wearing a. Yeah, and then you're
3: going to die. You're going to die of the diseases that will come because you're such a liar to yourself. And, And here's another thing, and this is why I love Brene Brown's work, because positivity doesn't actually lead to success. Vulnerability and honesty do. You know, you ever work with somebody and they're like some freaking per- person who's like, hey, everything's great. And you're like you're looking around and it's so obvious. Not everything's great. Wouldn't you love it? If someone came up to you and be like, hey, guess what? I'm suffering, too. Things aren't actually really great right now. We can do it together, though. We can we can find the path. But I'm hurting and you're hurting and I see you. Don't you, isn't that a totally different energy? Yeah. Like, don't you trust that person so much more? Like, come on, man, it's all good. You know, it's all good is a really freaking terrible line because it's not all good. It's all whatever it is. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, sometimes when people ask, like, you good, I'm like, well. <laughs>
1: Oh my I just God.
2: Go, and I've learned to go, yeah, I'm good. Because I, I just don't
1: want to get into the dialogue. I had a friend, Kev, I forgot to show you this. Nicole, you'll appreciate this. He sent me a meme yesterday, and it was like someone asking another person if they were good. And the person responding was like, yeah, I'm fine. And there was like a sword going through their head. <laughs> and he, yeah. was, he literally was like, this is you. And I was like, oh.
3: Mm. It's like that Mm. dog that's sitting at the table and everything's on fire. And the dog's like, fine, this is fine. Have you guys seen that meme? Yes. (laughs) I'll send it to you. That one's a good one. Oh God. But see, but like that person is bullshit. Like that's the thing. I mean, let's really dial it down. Like, what do we want as human beings? We want to say, I see you and you see me. We're here together. Look at us. Like, that's what we want. That's the best feeling in the world.
1: How do we escape this toxic positivity? Like, is it just acknowledging when
3: it's happening? Honestly, I, saw, I feel the same way for the, to answer that question as I feel about e- exposing people to my work. Yeah, This is going to be a bottom-up change, okay? So if we're speaking about my work, my work is never going to be taught to you by um, big pharma or the surgical model. Like, you're not going to hear about it because somebody's telling you, oh, this is what you should do about yourself. It's a bottom-up thing. Each person has to decide, how long do I want to suffer, This is my life. What do I choose to do to save my own life? And if we have, let's just say, you know, 2 billion people in the world, I know we have more, but whatever, all I'm saying is if each of those people does that, the problem is solved, right? So it would come from the bottom up, not the top down. And I'll say the same thing about toxic positivity be the change you wish to see in the world. Okay. That's, that's more than just a beautiful Buddhist saying, be the change. If, if, if I, the way I, I fight toxic positivity is exactly what you're seeing right now. I'm just myself. I don't care. There's going to be people who watch this interview and think I'm whatever, you know, think I'm I don't know. But the point is, I don't care because I'm just showing up as me. I'm showing up as flawed. I'm showing up as honest. I'm showing up as tender and sad about things and vulnerable and scared when I am. And that's how I fight toxic positivity, because I have no interest in being part of it. And if enough people have no interest in being part of anything, it goes extinct.
2: There you go. Beautiful. I think you know. Find Trevor Moed, who's a friend of ours. He does show. He's the show. Num- he's like the number one mind coach in all of sports. And his big thing is he stays neutral. Yeah,
1: that's his big mm. thing:
2: neutrality. He's like I just. And then you think of some people with Zen philosophies where you know they ride. They don't ride the highs very high, and they don't ride the lows very low. It's. I always say it's like take the kitty roller coaster. In life, yes. Just a little high, little low, little high, little low. <laughs> mm. You know. Whereas my, I used to ride Space Mountain, <laughs> and I still want to ride Space Mountain, but I, I like have Space Mountain, right? But too. I have to. I know you do. I can tell by your personality. But it's like the more we can just be on that kitty roller coaster, you know. I think the more we can deal, and I know it's a whole other, a whole other thing. Um, yeah, Nicole, you're really onto something here, and um, this is going to be this. Uh, this is going to be the for the century. You're going to see yes. a lot of, uh, a lot of, so I think for me, it's East meets West is best. You know, yeah. there's a, there's mm-hmm. a role for Western medicine, but we've had enough Western. Now it's time we have to bring in some Eastern. Mm-hmm. We have to yeah. start bringing this stuff in and know that there is a, that there is a connection. Um, yeah, Nicole, it's so, so important. Nicole, what is the name of the podcast, please, and your Instagram so people can follow you and start uh, tuning your in website, every week? Your website, all your
1: courses. All of it, yeah. All, the
3: whole scale. Okay, well, it's kind of easy because a lot of it has the same name. So my, mm-hmm. my website is com, mm-hmm. and
0: my
3: podcast is The Cure for Chronic Pain at, with Nicole Sachs, um, and uh, from my website... There's a resources page that links to everything. My Instagram is just my name at Nicole Sachs LCSW. I tried to just get my name, but someone had it. So I guess mm-hmm. Nicole Sachs out there. Mm-hmm. What's up? But I'm Nicole Sachs, LCSW. No H in Nicole. Some people put an H in my name and I see OLE And um my book is called The Meaning of Truth. You can get that on Amazon. And I have an online community on Facebook called Journal Speak with Nicole Sachs, where I've got thousands of people in conversation every day supporting one another. Um and i don't know what else. i have a i have a youtube channel i don't spend a lot of time there because i do my podcast every single week and so there's just only so no, much no, no, so much
2: and you, yeah I, I think nicole like this is probably a separate bard but uh, yeah you you so you don't end up like maria you've got i i'm just saying as someone older than you i've been in this business a long time in the media and but yeah i just want to see you conserve and kind of pace yourself because um you know, it's funny, do you remember Audrey? I mean, you know, from Breakfast at Tiffany's, Audrey hyper right. But one of the Heppard. things that people had said about her was she was so into giving and giving and giving and giving that that's why, you know, it, things ended. She
3: she died, yeah. Yes.
2: And uh, and so, you know, you, you have this message and you want to you get it out there. And I know sometimes it's hard, like for Dr. Sano and for you. When being a visionary and you can see everything so clearly and you're like, wait, why aren't you listening? Like it's it's hard. So I I think your journey is going to be managing that. So, you know, you can go the long haul with this because um, this is really important work and what you're doing is great. And uh, I can't wait for you to meet Maria and for us to stay in touch. And uh, yeah, I think. um, yeah, I think I've got some work to do here. I know I do.
3: So, <laughs> Kevin, we all do we, really all do. we really all do. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. I've been, you know, for me, it's it, for males, for our, you know, we have mostly female listeners, but we have males too. And like, I think for the male thing, it's always just like, suck it up. And I know yeah. f- women here suck it up in a different way, but we here like, it's I, a
3: shame thing if you don't. Yeah. Suck it
2: my up dad would die. be like, hey, you yeah. get the F out of bed. Shut up. <laughs> like, you, yeah. you, you, he would be like, my dad. <laughs> <laughs> and, and i can't help but i get sucked in he'd be like are you can, are you do you see who you're married to do you see where you live do you see like yeah. your life mm-hmm. shut the f up you <laughs> and you know what i mean and, but but you know yes those are ramifications so it so i i just say that if you start putting the work in and um i think it really i'm seeing you pay off because i'm i'm the work this show's making me do the work because because it was right. one thing to the last month I was producing it, that was helpful, but now like i I have no room but to just I have to laser focus on you guys <laughs> and it's a lot. Got no choice. But I find myself evolving mm. every day. I'm making so many different choices. I'm reacting so differently to things because it's really hitting my subconscious That's great um. And it's beautiful. Anyway, it's right, so Nicole. Yeah, let's definitely keep this conversation going. And and thank you so much for today. And I I, I look forward to many more of these. Um, thank
3: you so much for having me. It was so great. You
2: too. Wow, uh, great interview with Nicole Sachs. So you. you guys, thank you so much. Listen, uh, the best way you can help us is by you know staying with us. Uh, please subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already. But tell friends to do so. Um, that would be great, and uh, if you're listening, then um, yeah, have, please have more friends subscribe and comment, and those things would help us a lot. And on um, yeah, every day we're just getting a little better. I feel like a little better, Kelsey. Agreed. Amen, Kelsey, and
1: the poodle in my lap. Agreed with her new haircut. Wow, you know, look how yeah. beautiful she is, everyone. She looks, oh, she doesn't want to turn around now, but she looks so look beautiful. Look how cute she, she
2: came out really nice. Yeah. A little home haircut we gave her. Yeah. Well, Kels, until then, what?
1: Everyone, be nice people, make good
0: choices, and be present.